Hey church, welcome to episode one of our brand new series, The Prayer. This series will take us through the entire season of Lent, culminating in Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And what we're going to do together as a church is go through the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus delivers to us in Matthew chapter 6, the most famous prayer of all time. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, you have prayed this prayer. You have heard this prayer. And because of its fame, it has become, I think for many of us, noise. It's something that we pray. There's a cadence to it. It it kind of feels just like a ritual with very slight variations. Some of the variations really are just whether or not you use the word sins trespasses or debtors. And maybe you've been in church before and you've been praying the Lord's Prayer in a Sunday service and it's up on the screen and so you kind of open your eye to see whether or not this is a trespass church or a debt church so that you pray the right prayer out loud. But see, there's, there's a danger in that, that this prayer has become noise for us, kind of background noise. In 2016, Jessica and I moved to Miami. And we moved into Brickell, into an apartment. We were on the 30th floor. And we had previously been living in a house. And when we came to Miami to be a part of Crossbridge Brickell and its revitalization and the replanting process, we were struck by the sounds of the city. It's way different from living in a neighborhood in a house. Hear the sirens and the honking of horns, the motorcycles. You hear your neighbors oftentimes and the music that they're playing on the weekends. We were close to the river so you could hear the boats and the barges, the bridge going up. And oftentimes in Brickell, at the Brickell Avenue Bridge, we heard the bridge conductor, I guess, always yelling at people to get off the bridge so that it could go up. And that was so apparent when we first moved into the apartment. But over time, it became background noise. We just got used to it. We heard it all the time. Didn't even notice it. And then last year, we moved to a house. And I was struck by the silence. So much so that Jessica and I were laughing because the first night that we slept in our house and woke up, I was awoken by a bird chirping. And I had never heard a bird chirping or any nature whatsoever in Brickell up on the 30th floor. And it's taken some time, but now we're starting to get used to the silence and hearing nature and insects at night, parrots. Enjoy it, but now it's just becoming a part of where we live and what we hear. Now it's becoming background noise, though at one time was in the foreground of our minds. And I think for many of us, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, has become background noise, a ritual. We miss out on the significance of the prayer when we actually pray it, but we also miss out on the deep truths that Jesus is conveying to us about who God is and who we are and how we're to live in response to God and how we are to pray. And so through this series, that is our aim, is to dive deep, line by line, slowly to see the significance and the depth and the beauty of this prayer so that it might influence our lives and our prayer life 
as well. One of my favorite bands of all time, brand new, had a great line. It says this, we spoke the words but never gave thought to what they mean. And I hope that after this series, that does not become true of you with the Lord's Prayer. That you don't just speak the words when it's prayed on Sunday, or if you pray it yourself, the Lord's Prayer. You don't just speak the words without knowing what they mean, but you would know what each word and each line means. And so Jesus delivers this prayer. He says, this is how you are to pray. And he starts in verse 9, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the second half. And he says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. See, one of the most important theological questions that you must ask yourself, and everybody must ask themselves, is who is God? Who is God? Well, Jesus says here that God is Father. See, your understanding of God and who He is is vital because it frames the way that you approach God. It influences how you pray to God and how you see God interacting with you in your life. So if you believe that God is demanding and he's judgmental, almost like a police officer that's set up a speed trap and is trying to catch you every time you're going a little too fast and breaking the law, then when you pray to a God that you think is judgmental and demanding, you will pray very short, very quick prayers, and you won't be honest. Even though you may know that God knows everything, you're not going to reveal that because there's a barrier of intimacy. Because God is demanding and judgmental. Or, or if you think that God is kind of like a dream maker, he's a, he's a genie, then maybe the only time you actually approach God in prayer is when you're asking for something that you desire. And, and you pray almost like a wish. Like you're not really certain whether or not God's going to listen or whether he's going to grant it, but you might as well try. Or maybe you think that God is distant. And so you pray occasionally when, when maybe peace has been removed. And there's, there's kind of a questioning nature to your prayer as if, I don't know if God's listening, but let me try. There's an uncertainty to your prayers. But see, our God is not nameless. Jesus starts out this prayer by saying that our God is our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There are three things that I want us to see from this beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And the first is, is that our God is known. Our God is known. You see, the word Father that Jesus uses here is the Aramaic word Abba. And Abba means father, but there's, a, there's an intimacy or a closeness in the use of that term. Oftentimes, you will hear people say that Abba means dad because it conveys a closeness, an intimacy, that, that you know your father as your dad. And, and this is helpful because many of us grew up not knowing our fathers or we grew up with a father who was very absent, maybe emotionally or physically. Or we grew up with a father who we didn't really know because he wasn't a great example and he 
wasn't kind and was hurtful. And so Jesus says here that God is our Father. He is intimate and close and known, like a dad. You see, everybody has a biological father, but not everybody has a dad. No, nobody says, I have a biological dad. The word dad communicates closeness and intimacy, that you, can, that you know each other. And so the use of that word Abba as father means that God is known, that you can be close to him, that there's a level of intimacy with your dad. Jesus wants us to understand this in the name Abba, Father. Names are an interesting thing because if I say a host of names like John or Vanessa or Juan or Maria, if you don't know anyone named John, Vanessa, Juan, or Maria, then those names mean very little to you. But if you have friends, especially close friends, named John or Vanessa or Maria or Juan, then those names conjure up a wealth of emotion. You think about the positive experiences and memories you have. You think about who they are. There's a fondness. There's a warmth to the name. And God is our Father who is like our dad, and Jesus is saying that when you pray to God, your Father, that you should have a wealth of emotions that flood your heart about who God is. That He's known. It's not just a name. It's not someone that you've never interacted with. It's not someone distant. It's not like a, like a genie or a dream maker. It's not someone judgmental and demanding that you don't want to be close to and you don't want to reveal what you're going through. It is someone that you know. God is known. That's why Jesus in the next chapter talks about how when you go to God in prayer, when you go to your Father in prayer, you're to go boldly and with confidence knowing him and his character. He says in, in chapter 7, verse 11, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? So Jesus says that when you pray, Pray to your Father who you know. And what do you know about God your Father? Is that He gives good gifts. If good fathers here on earth desire to give good gifts to their children, then God who is your Father, who you should know, and there should be intimacy and closeness with Him, like a dad, you should know that He desires to give good gifts to you? How much more will, will his, his gifts be? How much greater will they be? So come boldly, Jesus says. Now, God is your Father, gives good gifts, but He doesn't always give your definition of what is good. And that's important to see. He is a Father, 
that you can be close to, that you can know that there's intimacy and he desires to give you good gifts, but it's not always with your definition of goodness. So I learned this being a father. My son will ask for certain things at times. And many times I withhold giving him the very thing he's asking for. Or I give him something different. Or I I shut it down altogether. Why? Because I, I desire to be a good father. And I know that sometimes what my son is asking for is not in fact good or right. It will be harmful. Maybe it's dangerous. And so I seek to protect him by saying no. Or maybe what he's asking for is not good for him. And so I give something different that will in fact be good for him. Or I use it as an opportunity to teach him something to where the gift may come later. You see, a good father is always thinking about giving gifts to protect or to teach or to grow or to help a child. And see, God your father is the same. God is a good father who gives the right gift when you ask for something good. God is a good father who gives the right gifts to those who ask for something good. So every time you pray to God and and you're thinking about what you desire and you're asking for something that you believe is good and you believe is right, know that you have a father that is close to you, that is intimate, that is known, and he will always give you the right gift when you ask for something good. He will always give you the right gift, and you can trust that. And so you can come to him boldly, like you would come to a good dad. Martin Luther, the reformer, has a great quote about prayer. He says, God wants to encourage us to believe that he is truly our father, and we are his children. We therefore are to pray to him with complete confidence just as children speak to their loving Father. That we are to pray with confidence. Come boldly with confidence, asking, praying, seeking. Because we know our God. And we know He desires to give good gifts and He will always give what is right when we ask for something good. Our God is known. But our God is also, secondly, The Lord of life. Our God is Lord of life. See, the word Lord, it it means one who has power or is in control, has authority. And Jesus here is saying that our God is the Lord of life. He is the one who has a power. He is the one who has authority. He is the one who is in control and we are to be obedient to. Like children are meant to be obedient to their father. What does Jesus say? He says, our father in heaven. Our father in heaven. Why does Jesus say that? Because he wants us to see that God, our father, has authority Because where he is reveals who he is. Where he is reveals who he is. Where is God our Father? In heaven. Where he is reveals who he is. God, our Father, is the transcendent one. 
He is the source of eternity. He is the author of life. He is the one who holds your life and all lives in the balance. Our Father in heaven, where He is, reveals who He is. He is the one of full authority and power. He is the one in control. And then Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means holy, to make, is made holy or consecrated, greatly revered or honored, respected. Hallowed be your name. Greatly honored and respected is your name, God our Father. You see, God's name is not something to mess with. It's not something to play with. The third commandment that God gives to Moses in the Ten Commandments is to not take the Lord's name in vain. Don't take what in vain? The Lord's name. The one who has power and authority and is in control. Do not take his name in vain. You see, God is our Father who is like a dad, is close, but he is also Sir. Our God, our Father, is dad and sir. One to be respected. One to be honored. Because he is in control. He has authority and power. And that gives us some clarity, too, on how we pray to God. As we pray to our Father and we ask for good gifts, knowing that he gives us what is right when we ask for something good, we understand that God is also sir, that we respect and honor God in his name. And that we understand that as a good father who is capable and authoritative, who is the author of life, that he also will set boundaries and commands for us to surrender to because he is the Lord of our life. He is the one leading our life. And so there will be boundaries and commands that God our Father gives to us, which are still good, and He calls us to surrender to because He's Lord. You see, when you grow up with a father in your household, a good father will give you boundaries and commands. Because in a sense, a good father is Lord over his children, has authority over them. There's power over them that is to be stewarded well. And so maybe you remember growing up, you had a father in your house, and your father said, hey, take out the trash. Yes, sir. Clean your room. Yes, sir. Hey, make sure you're home by midnight. Curfew. Uh, Yes, sir. And if you didn't show respect and honor, there are consequences. You broke the command, there was consequences. If you deviated from the boundary, there was consequences. You see, what Jesus is conveying here is that God our Father is known. There's closeness, there's intimacy. We should know that He desires to give good gifts to us. Gives us what is right when we ask for something good. But God is also, sir, one to respect and one to honor, one who gives us boundaries, gives us commands. We see that all throughout His Word, how we are to live, who we are to be. And He gives us those things because 
He is, in fact, a good father who gives those boundaries and those commands for our benefit. Why do, why do fathers that have authority and power over their children, why do they give boundaries and commands to their kids? Is it to be mean? Is it to, to be hurtful? Is it to, to kind of say, hey, I'm the one in charge? No, it's because to steward your power well and your authority well, you have to place boundaries and give commands to your children because what do you want them to learn? You want them to learn in your household. You want them to be protected. You want them to grow. And so sometimes boundaries are necessary and commands are necessary for the protection of children and also for their growth. Good fathers understand this, and our God is a good father who gives us these boundaries and these commands because he's the Lord of our life. And we are to surrender to them. Jesus models this. In John chapter 17, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying before he's about to be betrayed to God the Father. And Jesus had such an, a closeness, there's so much intimacy, unparalleled because the Son of God. He's praying to God the Father in John chapter 17. And he says this. It says this in John 17. And going a little further, he fell on the ground, Jesus, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. See, Jesus in his flesh doesn't want to go to the cross. He doesn't want to experience the torture and the crucifixion. And he certainly doesn't want the Father to turn his back on Jesus on the cross and pour out his wrath upon him so that Jesus might be our sacrifice. In the flesh, Jesus desires not to go through that. He says this, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me and take that away from me, this sacrifice that I must make. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Look at Jesus' prayer. Intimacy, closeness. Abba, Father, I don't want to do this. Take it from me, but not my will, but yours. Respect and honor. See, we pray to God with both affection and surrender. Jesus reveals that perfectly to us. Affection and surrender. See, God's name is not to be taken lightly, but it is to be received warmly. See, that's the beauty of, of God our Father. His name is not to be taken lightly, but it is to be received warmly. We say both to God, yes, sir, and dad. Affection and surrender. He is the Lord of life, and he is known. But lastly, God is our Father. Notice what Jesus says, the very first word of the prayer, our Father. Why is that important? Because Jesus wants you to understand that God is your Father. See, one of the great 
responsibilities. Traditionally, one of the, the chief honors that a father receives is the right to give his name to his children. In our culture, oftentimes, the children bear the name of the father, the last name of the father. In Scandinavian culture, the son or the daughter would bear the, the actual first name of the father and then either son or daughter, but spelled D-O-T-T-E-R. So if Carl had a son, it would be Carl's son. If he had a daughter, it'd be Carl's daughter. That's why you have Anderson's and Stevenson's. What a great honor to be marked with the name of your father. And Jesus is saying here in the very first word that you bear the name of God your father. He is your father and you are his son or daughter. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. In fact, that is your true name. Your true name is child of God. That is your true identity and your true name. That is what you are marked with. You have a heavenly father. You are a son or daughter of God the Father. How? Through faith in Christ. Through faith in Christ. You see, through faith in the Son... Was established is God your Father, and you, as a son or a daughter, as a child, through faith in the Son, it establishes God as your Father, and you find your true identity and your true name, which is son or daughter of God. And this is so vital for us to understand that we are, in fact, children of God, that God is our Father. Because what children recognize is that they are dependent upon their parents. Oftentimes kids don't want to admit that, but they're dependent upon their parents. There is that level of dependency. And see, when a, a son or a daughter has a good father that they know, and they have a, a close relationship with, there's intimacy there. And when they recognize rightly that their father has authority and is capable and is powerful, and when they know that they are a loved son or daughter, they then come to their father with requests. But not just requests to receive things, but they also go to their father when they're scared, when they're confused. When they're struggling, this gives so much insight to how we are to pray. We pray to God not just to receive something, though he asks us to come to him with requests. We go when we're scared, when we're struggling, when we're confused, when we're upset. We go to God our Father And we go because we know him. And we know he's capable. 
and has authority. He's the Lord of our life. So we have affection and surrender when we come to God, but we come as a child, not as an outsider, because through faith in Christ, we're invited as a son or a daughter. And this is so important because what we see is that faith is proven not in safety, but in desperation, in times of desperation. You see, the mark of a child of God is that in desperation, they come to their father in prayer. A child of God in times of desperation runs to God, their heavenly father, in prayer. Because what desperation builds or what desperation teaches us is trust. Desperation teaches trust. And trust should lead us to prayer. We don't trust in ourselves. But we trust in God our Father. So in times of desperation, it, it, we begin to learn trust and we, we go to God in prayer because we belong to him. Because we are, in fact, his children. You see, in the Old Testament, there's different names for, for God used to convey different attributes of who God is. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, God is called Jehovah. And there's names attached to that. So you have Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides. You have Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is here. You have Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord, my banner, the banner of my life. Here Jesus is saying that God is your Father. You can know Him. He's close. He's the Lord over your life who you are to surrender to. And you can trust Him because you're His son or His daughter. And you can know that his protection is yours. That he is here with you in times of desperation and in times of safety. And you can know that he's the banner over your life. The one guiding you. The one leading you. Giving boundaries and commands for your good. Because he is in fact a good father. You see my prayer church is that starting today and throughout this season of Lent, you would come to God in prayer each and every day. Each and every day, you would go before Him. If you're fasting with us in Lent, that you would have those, those longings for whatever you have given up as signals to pray to God your Father who loves you and wants to give you what is right when you ask for something good. And that you would experience that closeness and that presence. That you would know that God is also to be greatly honored and greatly respected. That you are to surrender your life before him. But you would never lose sight of the fact that you are his son or his daughter. That's your true name. Child of God. So I pray that Romans... Chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul speaks on the reality of who we are and how the Holy Spirit confirms that, that that would happen to you. Hear this verse. The Apostle Paul says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
Know today that you are a child of God. And God desires you to come to Him in prayer because He is your Father. And I pray for, for you. If you have felt maybe like God is not your Father, you have felt that distance, you had a misconception of God, that you today would come to Him and surrender to Him. Give your life to Him through prayer, through faith in Jesus the Son who establishes God as your Father. You see, the entrance to this relationship, profound relationship with God your Father is made possible through faith and only faith in Jesus the Son who died for you so that you might know this beautiful reality that you are in fact a child of God. So I'm going to pray for us, church, but also for any of you that are going to surrender to God today in faith. Pray that prayer with me. Experience that affection that you can have with your Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, your name is great, it is powerful, and it is good. Help each and every one of us to experience you in an intimate and close way tonight and going forward. May we pray with an expectation that we will sense your nearness. Would we also pray with an attitude of surrender, knowing that you're the Lord of our life? And would we know that we are your children who you love and who, who you desire to lead and to give what is right when we ask for something good? And I pray for anyone tonight that has felt distant from you, has not fully understood who you are, God, that they might surrender now in faith to you through Jesus and his death and his resurrection, that they might experience that affection that warmness by surrendering in faith, by just saying, God, my Father, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I don't have it together, but I know you invite me to be your child through faith in Jesus. I believe that. Help me now on this journey of faith in this life of prayer. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.